everyone. I'm Mike Urbans, and welcome to It's Your Water. Today, we have a special guest interview with Derek French from Wateropolis. Why we have him here today is he manufactures a very unique filtration product that's ceramic-based. It's called Serapure AC and Serapure MAC. And we're going to talk about that because you know us, we're all about filtration, and we find something that's really, really cool, very unique in the industry. We wanted to bring it to you. Welcome, Derek. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's great to be here. Yep. And thanks for spending the time and getting down here. We really, really appreciate it. So if you don't know Derek French, he's been in the industry a long time, but mostly industrial, municipal, ultra pure, and he's not some schlub that we took off the street here, <laughs> well, guys. <laughs> I'm a bit of a schlub, but I- A little bit. A little bit. But I, I started off actually in the early 90s. I worked for an industrial division of a large Culligan dealer. Went on to work for Osmonics back in the day, back before they were owned by General Electric and was involved in all sorts of technologies and membranes and separation processes back in the day. And then had a foray into the municipal filtration market where I've spent a majority of my career doing municipal water and wastewater filtration. And I'm lucky. I get to specialize exclusively in filtration. I don't have to look at any other technologies, so it allows me the, the unique opportunity to focus and try to specialize. Cool. We've all been around. <laughs> well, I have one guy who comments that he looks out the sea of, of water treatment people in the trade shows, and he sees nobody but bald men and gray hair. We have both because we've been in the industry that long. But Derek presented us with a very unique product opportunity here, and it's a ceramic-based material. I always knew the ceramic filtration's been around, and I guess Connecticut used a lot of it. Yeah. Originally, the granular ceramics were invented by 3M up in Minnesota, and, and Connecticut bought those patents and the production facilities back in the late 90s. And I actually worked for Connecticut as a part of their municipal drinking water group back in the early to mid-2000s. And we were producing ceramics at that time under the Connecticut banner. And those patents have long expired, but we still now under Wateropolis produce basically the same products we did back in those days, still being used in municipal drinking water and particle removal really focusing on removing small particles. We really are a specialized group that looks at anything under 25 microns as being something we can get out effectively and efficiently. So that's kind of our niche. So what's it filter down to? Uh, yeah. we, we do tests routinely down to two and three microns. We use polystyrene microspheres. We actually work with uh, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, a guy named Dr. James Ambergie, who's a filter expert, and he does uh, independent analysis of our materials using these luminescent microspheres. So we test down to two and three microns, and we test at high filtration rates. We're always testing at up to 10 gallons per square foot. And some of that research actually was looking at commercial pools, which is still a source of crypto in this world, but that's for a whole nother conversation. Yeah, yeah that's a whole different animal. So they're not just like ground up coffee cups, right? We're just like, <laughs> you don't get like recycled, you know, you go to 
now you know go to Starbucks or something and you know no no it's it's a little more sciencey than that oh, yeah yeah okay. we we actually take a lot of pretty high purity raw materials and for some materials it's spherized and fired and it actually goes through a glass transition phase and becomes a true ceramic which makes it very hard very very durable gives it some unique properties because you know filters are nothing more than temporary particle storage devices and in order to have an effective particle storage device, you need room to store particles and you need surface area. It's all about surface area. Mm -hmm. So with ceramics, we've learned how to make them rough. As you make products rougher, you have better hydrodynamics, you get better particle interception, which is critical. When you get down below 10 microns, getting a particle out, it's actually hard to grab small particles onto a filter media, store it temporarily until you backwash it out. And that requires surface area and it requires roughness. And and with the ceramics, we also get into some interesting combinations because of the high alumina content. There's some charge characteristics, which again, that's a whole nother conversation, yeah, yeah. But, but it seems to have some influence as well. well that's, so. The exciting part about this is the development of you adding to the ceramic substrate a carbon, manganese dioxide, like we used to know as, it's kind of like the Pyrolox, the green sand, they all have manganese dioxide type material, and an alloy to keep it somewhat bacteria static or to keep the growth of a biofilm on the material, so to speak. But in essence, that's what really attracted me to when, when Derek threw it at me, I said, whoa. I said that that'll work, and he's he's a municipal guy. You know, I'm speaking to mostly the the dealer, the water treatment dealer market. It really fits, and we're going to get into the question and answers. But that was the exciting part of it. Yeah, we we you know we looked at what is currently employed in the municipal and and consumer product space for that matter. I mean, pyrolusite by any other term, pure MnO2 is popular with some people. The challenge we have in our world is that it's heavy. It tends to be a fairly large particle mm-hmm. and it's heavy. So backwash rates get to be high, but it's it can yeah. be effective. It's solid MnO2. Manganese dioxide is a good, has a good ability to oxidize iron and manganese under a lot of circumstances. And then you have a whole nother category of products where people have attached MnO2 to some sort of substrate, whether it's a zeolite or a silica-based, and there's lots of those out there. We looked at all that and said, there's got to be a way to improve the performance of these products. And in particular, we looked at applications where people are trying to use dissolved oxygen. And that really takes us into the consumer product realm. As you start to add oxygen, right, you, you need an electron donor. You need some way to convert dissolved iron and manganese into a precipitated solid. Again, you're, you're capturing it in a temporary particle storage device. It has to be a particle. And to do that, you have to convert it to an insoluble form. And that takes, in the absence of chemistry, it's going to take a fair amount of oxygen. And we looked at those products, and it seemed to me that one of the biggest problems that people may be having is a biologically overgrown situation or biological overgrowth of a media because if you take air and you take warm water or room temperature water and you put it together long enough, you're going to start growing some biology on the media. And as soon as you have biology or bacteria of any kind 
growing over the surface of a media, you insulate it from the water and you lose effectiveness. And we, we looked at medias that were going into the market space and working great for two weeks, three weeks, a month or two months, and then the performance drops off. And I would argue that a lot of that is, is because of biologically active water and losing active surface areas. So we found a way to take a copper zinc alloy, a, a no lead copper zinc alloy, and incorporate it into the surface of the product in a way where you get a bacteriostatic effect. Copper is a known bacteriostatic material. It's it's mm -hmm. added to paints, it's added to all sorts of surfaces to inhibit bacterial growth, and it's effective in, in keeping the surface of the filter media from overgrowing with bacteria, and that gives us active area for the oxidation of those dissolved constituents in the right. source water. Right. Which lends me to believe that the same questions popping in my head, which was probably popping in the, the audience head. You mentioned copper and its uh, bacteriostatic abilities. And this, this material has a NSF rating for drinking water. It is drinking water approved. But I always think, will this you know, will copper come out in the treated water? What happens there? If it, I guess if it's a low pH, we got to worry about it. But it's operating parameters, you know, but that's, that's kind of. Yeah, it, 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 it has been tested. It's gone through the NSF low lead testing protocol. It's past NSF 61. And, you know, in the 61 extraction test, you're dealing with reagent grade water, basically, and looking for transient copper and zinc that's coming off. And, and part of the mystery in all this is when you put copper and zinc together as, a, as an alloy, they become more stable and less prone to dissolving. But even if we look at the lifespan, if there was any metal to come off, it's coming off well below drinking water standards, well below detection limits, and we expect the material to last five, seven years in most applications. So I don't think that's been an issue at this point. But it's... it's, it's, it's that's what... You know, I'm going to get that question out there, and that was uh, perfect because you answered two questions. It's like, I get this all the time. It's like, how long is it going to last? Well... As we mentioned earlier in our private discussion, we're like, it's a moving target. Yeah, I mean, the, the life expectancy of a media, this, with the alloy, it's going to enhance the life. Right. Well, and, and that's fair. I mean, you talked about pH, and certainly I, I've seen locations up in the Northeast where the pH can be well below drinking water standards and oh, down horrible. in the fives. But that raises a whole other treatment issue of how do you oxidize iron and manganese in a low, low pH, pH environment? So, I mean, <laughs> exactly. you're probably doing something else to prop this up and, and mitigate some of that pH influence. Yes, um, you better it, be. Yeah. It better be. So, that, I think that self-resolves to some extent. But And media life, you know, it's so site-specific. As you know, water quality is different everywhere. The way people operate, design systems, the way they're constructed. I mean just backwash alone. I get into this conversation with people. It's a temporary particle storage device. You've right. got to clean it. Yep. You've got to backwash it properly. And people don't necessarily think about the backwash. The backwash, we, we have to talk about fluidization. Fluidization is when the energy of the water flowing upwards through that bed lifts and separates all the materials. Contrary to popular belief, the particles in a filter while they're backwashing do not collide. By definition, with fluidization, the energy of the water separates all the particles and keeps them apart with the energy of the water. Mm -hmm. This was proven out years ago 
that the particles don't actually collide in a water-based fluidized filter. What you are doing is changing the orientation of the media. You have high upflow velocities, and it's those influences that knock the dirt off the media. So if you don't fluidize the media, if you don't have enough lift and separation in the media, you're not going to get it clean. And we can't measure fluidization in, a, in an 8, 10, or 12, or 24, or 36-inch closed tank. So we have to look at bed expansion as a surrogate for fluidization. Mm -hmm. And in my world, we generally prescribe 30% expansion as a minimum expansion percentage as a surrogate for fluidization. Meaning at 30% expansion, we expect the bed to be fluidized, and you should be getting the material clean. If you have room to expand it more, you can. There comes a point where you're you know, yeah. wasting water get, in a backwash. Get it up into the valve control well, or, right, or out, right. the, out the drain. And all our materials are relatively small. And there's two things that influence the expansion. There's the density and the size. Mm -hmm. If you make something bigger, you have to make it lighter. In our case, we don't have to be super light, but we're small. And by making our media small, we have a low backwash rate. So to your point, we got to watch we don't end it up at the top of the vessel. We get at least 50% expansion during a backwash at 10 gallons per square foot. But you have to be able to expand it. And, and if your backwash is too low, it takes you forever to clear the dirt out of the tank. Right. And if your backwash is too high, well, you're hogging water. And that becomes a right. That's a big issue these days. Yeah, or your pump won't do it. I right. mean, uh, right. it's my preaching on many podcasts. If you want to look back, I asked for do your homework with how much water you have to backwash with your volume. It's very critical with uh, oxidation filters. And that brings me to it's... Almost like Green Sand Plus, if people, I'm giving people reference products, but eight to 10 gallon a minute per square foot. And I teach everybody about square footage, and this is square footage diameter of the tank, not cubic feet. I always try to get people to think in square foot, not cubic foot. And so a 10 inch diameter tank is a half a square foot. That's an easy, easy math. So you would need about six gallons a minute in warmer water, five gallons a minute to backwash a 10 inch residential tank with this material in it. So give everybody a reference point because they want to ask that. But one other thing we mentioned too is design parameters. This is a pretty fine product. So it probably has pretty good kinetics because it's fine. Yeah, and well, by making a product finer, you increase your available surface area exponentially. Yeah. So you end up with way more surface area. Again, it's a particle storage device that relies on surface area. Uh -huh. So as you make it smaller, you end up with a lot more surface area. And then the other thing we do is we have a low uniformity coefficient. And uniformity coefficient really describes the fraction of large material. So as your uniformity coefficient comes down, you're scalping oversized material off of the product. So as uniformity coefficients come from 1.6 down to 1.4, you've eliminated a lot of oversized or large material. Mm -hmm. That actually drops your backwash rate by taking the oversized material out. That's cool. And, I mean. and helps reduce your backwash rate. And it also, as you move to smaller particles, you change the hydrodynamics. You have a smaller space between each particle. So your chances of intercepting dirt onto a media receptor go up as your media gets smaller. Hmm. Yeah, I see. Now, that gives us a challenge in the residential realm is that we have to bed this with a, a finer garnet. So we can't use a gravel because the this material will migrate down and plug the distribution system. And the Vortec tank or bottom plate tanks, now two people have them, 
they're a great invention. They've really changed the industry. However, this material is too fine for the right. Vortec type or plated tanks. So you have to either go with a hub and lateral or a uh, single cone distributor, high flow, like the ones we sell at Urban Aqua, and a garnet. I was really curious about the garnet material, which we do have available if you wanted to rebed in an existing tank. Yeah, you have to pick your underbedding has to be matched to the effective size of the media that you're putting on. It doesn't matter whose media you're using. You have to have the right combination because if not, the filter media starts to migrate or slide down into the support gravel. And get if it gets to the distributors, it can either go through the distributors, it can pack around the slots in the distributor. Sometimes if they're really mismatched, the media, filter media, will get down into the interstitial spaces of the gravel and actually just cause a hydraulic bottleneck. So you'll see a surprisingly high clean pressure drop. And then once the media gets down in the gravel, you can't really get it out during a backwash. There's no effective way unless you go super crazy high backwashes and try to hydraulically force the media out. And then it's just going to migrate back down in there. So there really is a science between matching media and gravel. So we, we have to pay attention to those things always. Yeah. Yep. And uh, a lot, we get a lot of failures that way. So now we got everybody all hopping and, you know, like, wow, this stuff is the, it's really cool stuff. What the hell do we use it for? <laughs> where, well, are we, where are we putting it as far as application? I see iron, manganese, and sulfur for the MAC. Yes. The combination of manganese dioxide and alloy and carbon was designed to work primarily for iron and manganese removal. It really was designed to work with high dissolved oxygen levels. Okay. That's where the carbon comes in. Carbon has been used for a long time as an oxygen transfer device. There's a lot of old filter technologies that used manganese dioxide and carbon together. They would work for a while. And again, back to the biological overgrowth problem. So this material was designed to work in those high oxygenated atmospheres or environments for, for iron and manganese. Certainly hydrogen sulfide. The alloy is there to prevent the biological overgrowth, but it in and of itself has some reactivity to it. Mm -hmm. You know, there are mm -hmm. other alloy products in the market space that have demonstrated the reactive base of a copper zinc alloy, a 50-50 copper zinc alloy. We really are leveraging its bacteriostatic properties, but as a result, it'll work well for iron and manganese. The other part in all this is it's a 0.25 to 0.3 millimeter filter media. So not only is it taking out those constituents, it's taken out all 10 micron particles. I mean, we've tested this independently and it's 99.9% .9 removal of 10 micron particles. So it's, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's doing more than just taking out iron and manganese. Mm -hmm. If there's pre-oxidized material in there, it's going to pick that up as well. See, and that's what we do here. I, I always say there's no free lunch. You have to put more fuel into the fuel tank and oxygen or ozone with the new ozone generators out there. There's a big say not revolution, but a upswelling of a compact ozonator that people are putting application to a specific valve because the electronic board will initiate the ozone program, which will introduce ozone during a rinse cycle. So you supercharge your oxygen with this little mini ozonator. So Instead of taking in just pure air, we're taking ozonated air, which will work with this product well. well yeah, love it. I mean, not just that, the, the alloy and carbon is going to reduce out any residual, you know, if you happen to be a little hot on your on your ozone dose, it's going to eliminate or, or reduce down any ozone before it gets the effluent of the tank. Mm -hmm. And it's going to convert into a high 
DO atmosphere as it goes through there. I mean, to your point, if we're trying to turn MN into MNO2, the O2 has to come from somewhere. It doesn't right. material. I don't have a magic wand and just and and add a couple of electrons. I mean, we we actually have to have an electron donor in there somewhere. And what you're doing is you're you're taking MN in your source water and you have an oxygen source of oxygen ions or O2 to create MnO2, and then it's forming a crystal that loosely attaches to the media until it's back washed out. And there's there's at least 16 different manganese crystal structures. People don't realize manganese is not just one crystal. It forms all sorts of different types of crystals depending on the mm. pH and the ionic strength of the water. And it really is a little bit of witchcraft <laughs> involved yeah. in manganese removal sometimes. But the fundamentally, you got to get it from Mn to MnO2. So if you can use ozone, Fantastic. I mean, that's a great way to get a, a quick response. And I I suspect, given the oxidation potential of, of ozone, it probably works in a broader way of waters where I think DO, just using oxygen, can be pretty limited, particularly as it relates to pH. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Now, peroxide we can use yep, too? love peroxide. Again, it'll reduce out. You you can go in a little hot with chemistry if you need to, not have to worry about it going out the effluent. Again, manganese dioxide reduces peroxide to oxygen anyway. It mm -hmm. does that all on its own. So will the alloy. So it's a good strategy in those waters as well. Yeah. See, that's that's what we really like. And that's real important to our, our customer base, which is mostly the residential dealer market that has these tools available, these new valve heads that will pull in the oxygen ozone. I was a big champion of peroxide. I was Mr. Peroxide way back when, when uh, Centaur was invented. I said, well, what the heck is this peroxide number? Well, it was actually the ability of carbon to harbor oxygen and hold it. It's the holding value was the peroxide number. So Centaur was engineered to have more oxygen holding capacity. So I went crazy with peroxide. So now with these little mini ozonators, the peroxide's got them, you know, <laughs> falling away because of the uh, the ozonation that we can do in the simplicity and not having to haul the buckets of peroxide in. But, and uh, I guess chlorine would... Yeah, I mean, the, the MAC is, it's a dechlorinator and dechloraminator. So it, it doesn't work for us and our municipal customers who want to, you know, they want a free chlorine residual to go out the distribution. So they, they don't want to put two, three, four parts of chlorine in the front end and have non-detect on the tail end. So it doesn't, it hasn't worked for them the way we, you know, and we knew that, but certainly residentially or commercially or in front of membranes, RO, NF, if you have a, an application where you need oxidation removal, it's going to take out chlorines and chloramines. And that's where the, the alloy, again, copper zinc alloy is an effective dechlorinator, dechloraminator, and we have the activated carbon surface combined with that as well. So you won't get any chlorine on no. the other end of this. So that's it's important for you guys doing community water. Like Dark said here, it's you're not going to get any chlorine on the outside. You'd have to reintroduce the on the effluent. Yeah, you'd have to retrim on the tail. And we've had people put in, have to put in five parts per million of uh, total chlorine at the front end to get any measurable residual out of a 24-inch deep bed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you'd, you'd have to retrim chlorine or residual oxidant after the filter at that point. And there's another, so that was the MAC, which is the... Manganese alloy carbon. Alloy yeah. carbon. You have the AC, which right. is the alloy carbon, which is carbon ceramics up 
ceramics substrate. substrate. We we only do ceramics. Yeah, we only yep. do ceramics and expanded clays. So we we have the uh, ceramic substrate. It's just alloy and carbon, so it's got a higher alloy content to make the surface more reactive. And we did that primarily as a product for dechlorination and dechloramination in critical applications ahead of membranes we were thinking where someone wanted to have short empty bed contact times you know say three minute empty bed contact time run relatively short bed heights and still get good dechloramination and dechlorination and we have that bacteria static component through the whole bed as opposed to people who add uh, an alloy material at the bottom of a filter to try and deal with bacterial load that's occurred already in the bed, right. we've attached the alloy to all the grains in the bed, and the alloy has this sort of halo effect where it prevents bacterial growth in neighboring areas. So it, it able is able to keep the whole bed from overgrowing in biology, and that biological overgrowth can be a real problem for membranes in particular, particularly if a filter's offline for a while or... You know, if you bring it back online and you don't backwash it right away and it goes into service, it can kick off biological overgrowth, which flows downstream into membranes. And we're trying to mitigate that yeah, by not letting that overgrowth occur. Yeah. Yeah. See why I'm so excited about this product, everybody. <laughs> it's like it's it has just about every every bell and whistle that you would need with the two, the AC and the MAC. And the AC, I didn't know too much about until today. It really looks like a solid product post-membrane or just in, in general, if you have a, a problem with your activated carbon growing biological slime. Yeah, now we're, you know, we're putting uh, alloy and carbon, you know, fusing it to the surface of a ceramic. So they're catalytic in nature. So they're highly reactive. They work very well. What it's not going to do is be adsorptive like GAC. If you're using GAC to adsorb taste and odor or adsorb pesticides or adsorb some component that requires lead lag setups or is going to require intermittent change out because of, of bed adsorption capacities being right. reached, that's not us. Yeah. It's we not, don't, don't think of it as activated carbon. No. Yeah. Don't use this for, for, you know, things like, you know, pesticide adsorption or- Some trichloroethylene or right, some volatile right, or organic PFAS. People chemical. have asked us about PFAS. Now, I've not yeah. tested it for PFAS, but it's not. It's going to work for a while because there's activated carbon on the yeah, surface, but but, <laughs> but it's going to run out of gas a lot quicker. So yeah. it's not designed for that. That's where the MAC comes in. Use it as a pre-filter to your carbon filters. Well, right. Well, carbon, I mean, the, the life of carbon is going to be determined primarily by either organic overgrowth or inorganic overgrowth. So if you use the MAC and you get out the inorganics ahead of it, you're not putting, you know, inorganics like manganese and iron and particulate into your GAC filter, which helps mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it does. That's a real important point there. I'm glad you brought that one up. So, well, cool. We have probably hit just about everything on this is uh i know it's probably a shameless infomercial for the <laughs> <laughs> for the serapure and a serapure mac which is now available at urban's aqua well we're i mean we're excited about it i mean i this isn't supposed to be gimmicky we're trying to solve problems for people we're trying to help people who are having struggling with their water quality yeah. so i'm happy to give that information yeah, and out. we've used it we've used it in some very difficult waters where uh the mac I have not used the AC yet. The MAC in difficult, what I meant is that a little bit of iron was sneaking by, and we don't know why with the conventional material we had in there with an AIO air injection system. We put this material in there, and boom, it captured that extra 
either organically bound. We don't know what was going on, but it pulled out that little half a part per million iron. It's been working quite well. We see a, a really good niche in this market, and you're going to see more of that coming from us. So thanks, Derek, for coming by. I think there's going to be some more questions, but I think we pretty much cover yeah. no, quite a bit. No, that's fantastic. I appreciate the opportunity to come and, and speak today. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it's super it's real informative. You did a hell of a lot better job than I could have <laughs> done with this material. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I've been doing it a while, but you've been at this longer than me. So I've, I'm going to have to, I would defer to you personally, but. Yeah. And uh, as always, you know, trust the frog and uh, thanks everyone. Take care. Mm-hmm.